We're so glad that you've tuned into our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Laura Chapman, and I serve as the Care and Connections Pastor here. We'll be bringing our series, Everyday Armor, to a close with a message from Pastor Jason. We will face spiritual battles daily, but as Christ followers, we have a secret weapon found in the Holy Spirit. We hope and pray that this message brings you hope and peace today. Now here's Pastor Jason. Well, I'm a very firm believer in that if you're going to do something, do it right. If you're going to try to do something, then do it well. And I think that this was instilled in me at a pretty young age because I grew up on a farm in Kentucky. And some of my earliest memories of childhood involved our family working together on our farm. And we raised uh, tobacco, we had cattle and livestock, and most of uh, my childhood was kind of varied. We had all these things that we were doing and jobs that my parents were doing, and it was an amazing um, childhood. But one of the things that you realize is when you raise a crop, for example, you realize that if you want it to go well, if you want to make money off that crop, you have a certain way that you have to go about doing it. There's lots of steps and there's lots of things that you have to set in motion. And I realized as a kid that when one of your primary sources of income is contingent on whether or not this crop goes well, you realize that it's important to do the job well. And so my grandfather, uh, who was wise beyond years and was a perfect combination of both love and authority, in that order, by the way, he and my dad, who were entrepreneurial-minded, they determined that they wanted my brother and I to also understand the importance of hard work and doing things right. And so when I was probably 13 years old, they trusted us to an entire acre of the crop. We had about 10 plus acres, and so they said an entire acre of it can be yours and your brother's. The only caveat is you have to do all of the work. You, we're going to help you with the seed money to get it started, but if it goes really well, then you reap all the benefits of that. If it doesn't go so well, then you and your brother are on the line for all the money that we have invested in you. And so I was a pretty money-hungry 13-year-old, and so I said, we are going to do this, right? And so I rallied the troops, and my brother and I, we successfully raised that first crop, and we did that several years after that. And I can hear the words of my grandfather in my mind telling me, Jason, just do it right. Just follow the example that I have given you to follow. Don't wait till 1 p.m. in the hot sun in July to get out and do the work, but get up early when it's cool and you're going to be much more productive. I can hear my grandfather telling me that if you don't start addressing those little weeds that are growing, they're going to take over. And so those, those will stunt the growth of the crop. So, you know, get in there and take care of those things. And so we did it and we were somewhat successful in that. So much so after about three years of the crop, I was, I was able to put myself in a 1994 maroon Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. <laughs> LS. <laughs> I mean, top of the line, model. And all of the maintenance, I took care of myself. All of the insurance, I paid for myself. All of the fuel, I paid for myself. And I was so proud, and I will never forget that lesson from my family. If you're going to do something, then do it right. Doing it right is ultimately what's going to make the difference. Now, why do I say all of that this morning? I tell you that story because I think it's become very natural for us in life to just get by. I think it's become very easy for you and I to not look at thriving or not look at doing things right as much as we say, you know what, I'm just going to maintain. In fact, if you were honest with yourself, there's probably some area of your life right now where you're just not putting forth as much effort as you know you need to. 
You're kind of doing the minimum requirements needed. And depending on what that is, that may be a-okay. I don't think that you have to be, re- be breaking records in every arena of your life. However, what we're going to talk about this morning is something that I would encourage you to not slack off in. Because if you slack off in what we're talking about this morning, if you make a conscious choice to say, I'm not going to do this right, then it could potentially have very dire consequences for you. Because if you don't produce a crop as well as you wanted to, you don't do it right, then you just end up not making any money. You end up not making the full value that you could off of your work, which we all want to do. So it's not really that, but what we're talking about this morning is if I'm concerned with just getting by, if I'm concerned with just doing the minimum amount required, then I'm going to be susceptible, probably more than I would care to even realize about what we're talking about today. We find ourselves in the midst of this sermon series, in fact, at the end of the sermon series today, called Everyday Armor. And we've been talking over the past several weeks about the armor that God asks us to put on to protect us from the attacks of the enemy. And in fact, when it comes to the enemy, this is what I would encourage you guys to not let off the gas on, but rather to say, I want to go full throttle to do this right because if I don't, then this is going to affect me in the long run. One of the big ideas of this series, and one of the things that I hope that you have gotten if you've been here for any of our series, and that I hope you get if you're here for the very first time today, is that there is a real enemy out there, and his name is Satan, and his job is to destroy you. His job is to scheme against you because you are in his sights right now, and his main objective is to make your life miserable. I promise this gets much more encouraging near the end of the message. Case closed. Let's pray. Thank you, guys. Just go on home. But thankfully, the Bible's not silent on any of this. In fact, the Bible is so clear that you and I have an enemy that God goes to great lengths through his word to show us how we are to protect ourselves from that enemy and shows us that if we don't get this right, that there are some real serious consequences that we want to prevent ourselves from leaning into and and prevent ourselves from experiencing. So know that I'm honored that you're here. And I'd like for us to turn to God's Word, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians is a book in the Bible that's near the end of the New Testament. If you have a Bible and just want to kind of flop it open, then just keep going to the right a little bit, and you'll get to Ephesians eventually. But if you have a mobile device and you want to hop online, and you can follow along with us, and some of these words are going to be up here on the screen for you as well. But if you're like me, you need a little reminder. I always need a little bit of an overview about where we have been. And so I want to kind of sum up quickly for you the entire series. And by doing that, I'm going to read verses 10 through 20. And you'll see the entire text that we've talked about over the past four weeks. So let's start in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, the words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. 
If I were giving you kind of the big ideas, like what are the three big ideas that we've talked about in this sermon series, the first of which I've already reiterated, but I want to reiterate again, is that there is a real enemy, Satan. And he is scheming against you. And the struggles that you and I face in life right now aren't really struggles of flesh and blood. We tend to think that all of our struggles are things that we can kind of put our hands on right here and right now. But the reality is all of the things that you can articulate are not really the enemy. Sometimes we think, oh, everybody who's a different political party than me, they're the enemy. That's the enemy. Or the people who disagree with me, the people who don't see the world like I do, they're the enemy. No, they're not the enemy. The enemy is Satan. Satan is the enemy. He is the one who is working in this spiritual realm that's trying to cause division. And he works in and through us. And we sometimes struggle to, to, to be able to put to words to that. But he operates in the spiritual realm and he is the enemy. Secondly, is you can bank on the fact that Satan wants to attack you. It's as predictable as anything in this world. In fact, I would dare to say it's probably one of the most predictable things that you're ever going to find in your life, is that there is a real enemy, and that enemy wants to attack you. This promise is much more reliable than the stock market. What does the stock market do? It goes up, and it goes down. It goes up, and you think you figured it out, and what happens? It goes down, and there's always some ebb and flow to that. It's not as predictable. How about the housing market? Here in Nolensville, those of us that have been in Tennessee for quite some time, we are losing our mind as to how expensive houses are. Now, those of you that just moved from California, you're like, this is awesome. This is great. We love the housing prices in Nolensville. But the reality is, will the house that you're living in always be more valuable? Maybe. But what could easily happen? At some point, the market could drop and something could drop out and it couldn't be as valuable as it is right now. There's potentially some ebb and flow to that. Some of you have been waiting on a promotion at work for quite some time, and you see everybody else getting the promotions, and you're thinking, when am I going to get my promotion? And the promotions get handed out like candy, but they just always look over me, and there's some ebb and flow to your work-life balance, in fact. And you can't always really articulate what's going on, but rest assured, this is something you can take to the bank that there is a real enemy and that he is prone and desires to attack you. Look at verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. And I love in here, in fact, it's been kind of the thesis that I've used the past several weeks is that the everyday armor of God protects you when, not if, the attacks of the enemy come your way. Remember this if you don't remember anything else about this series. The everyday armor protects you when, not if, the attacks of the enemy come your way. We tend to think if, if they happen, but the reality is it's when they happen. But yet, thirdly and most importantly, God says, I've given you what you need to build that protection into your life. I have given you an everyday armor to pr promise that I'm going to work through these if you will put on these pieces of everyday armor and you will be protected from the attacks. And so what are all of those pieces of everyday armor? That's what we've talked about this entire series. And I would encourage you to go back and listen if you missed one of these series. But very quickly, we talk about the belt of truth, that the truth about Jesus and the truth about God, that God sent his one and only son Jesus to this world so that we could have life, that we are to put that as a belt of truth around our life, the truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We are to put on a breastplate of righteousness, meaning that all of the right things about God are to be what is the covering in my life. We are to have feet that are fitted with the readiness of the gospel. 
meaning that I am to be active in my faith, that my feet are to be on the move, that sometimes the enemy attacks us because we sit on our hands way too much. And he says, now I want your feet fitted with the gospel so that you go and share the message of the gospel. We ought to take up a shield of faith. It's why we sing songs that say, this is how I fight my battle with hands lifted high, that it's not a weapon of offense as much as it is a shield of faith, that faith allows me to stand strong in the face of adversity. We are to put on a helmet of salvation, meaning that all of my thoughts are to be consumed with the goodness of God. And then last week, Pastor T talked about this, but we're going to bring up the sword of the Spirit. It's the offensive weapon, the weapon of offense, if you will. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, meaning that everything in God's Word is valuable for everything that I'm ever going to encounter, that there is an answer for everything that I need right here in God's Word. And you start thinking about all of these pieces of armor, and you realize that all of these pieces of armor kind of protect my head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. <laughs> my full body, it protects all of that. But look what Paul adds, back to verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. See, Paul ends this portion of the armor of God with the word, and pray. So it's armor, 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 and pray. Look at 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. You and I have maybe forgotten that prayer is a line of defense. Prayer is a necessary piece of this armor, that prayer is what allows me to see and to know that God is there with me in the midst of everything that is going on in my life. See, prayer is you and I communicating with the God of the universe. And I don't know about you, but I tend to underestimate the power of prayer. Do you realize that the God who holds the stars in place hears the prayer of little old me in Nolensville, Tennessee? That the God who sent his one and only son Jesus to this earth to save us and to make us whole and to make us right hears me when I bring my anxiety to him. I hope and pray this morning that you're not underestimating the power of prayer in your life. And when I say prayer, I'm not talking about, you know, like the one prayer that your family says before the Thanksgiving meal. I'm also not talking about the prayer that I pray before the 2,500 calorie fried fish platter that I'm getting to ask, that I'm getting ready to ask God to bless. I mean the irony, really. I mean the irony. God, this is going to take my blood pressure up 10 points, but please bless it. Please bless it. You know, help this to not turn into fat. Uh, but, but, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm not talking about, you know, when a football team, you know, gets together and recites the Lord's Prayer before they go out in, into the field. And all those things are fine and well. But I'm talking about you communicating with God personally and you listening to God and you listening for truth from His Word. Because the Bible says in addition to all of these pieces of armor that this active prayer life ensures much more much more so that I'm going to be able to do the things right that he asks me to do, that I'm going to be able to stand strong. And so I want us to unpack some of these truths, practical truths, about prayer that will hopefully encourage you and give you some kind of tools in your armor, so to speak, to, to be prepared for what God has. Look back at verse 18 again. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Did you catch the word all in there a lot? It's saying praying at all times, in all ways, in all things, for all people. 
Maybe you've wondered this before, but what should I be praying about, Pastor Jason? What is too small for me to be praying about, and what is too insignificant for me to be praying about? And the best way that I can answer that question is if there is anything in your life that is off limits in your prayer time, then that's likely an area of your life that the enemy is going to attack. If there's something that you say, you know what, that's off limits, I don't want to pray about that, or I don't want to bring that to God, then likely that's an area that the enemy is going to start looking for some cracks in your armor, so to speak. If you're married and there's a topic of conversation that is off limits in your marriage, then that's likely an area that the enemy is going to try to attack you in. If you're a leader and you say, you know what, you can question everything about my leadership except this one little area, then what you're showing me is that that's an area that you might be prone to fail in. And by fail, I don't mean not do well, but but not succeed in character and doing the right things. I was at a conference a number of years ago, and I heard John Acuff say, leaders who can't be questioned end up doing questionable things. And I thought, that is so good. If you ask me a question about financial accountability in our organization, or I ask you a question about financial accountability in your organization, and you get all puffed up and say, how dare you ask me if we have good financial practices in place, then a red flag should go off. And I should say, hmm, Leaders who can't be questioned may end up doing questionable things. So what Paul is saying here is in all things, through all occasions, at all times, about everything significant or what may seem insignificant, pray at all times. Why? And you see this here on your notes. You should be praying about anything and everything because Satan can attack you anywhere and through everything. That's why he's saying all times in various ways. You should be praying about anything and everything because Satan can attack you anywhere and through everything. Now, I'm not going to sit here this morning and tell you how descriptive all of your prayers should be. If you were to say, should we be praying about the paint colors in our house? I, I don't know. That's for you and whoever lives in your home to decide if that's prayer worthy. Now, if you pick the wrong colors, sure. Should we be praying about all the paint colors? I, I don't know. But let me ask you another question. Why are you needing paint? You're needing paint because you built a new extension on your house. Okay, why did you build a new extension on your house? Well, we built a new room on our house because we have a disgruntled teenager in our house who's not getting along with us, and so we thought that the solution would be to give him a little bit more space so that he can be a little bit further away from the family. Okay, well, could you afford that extension? No, we are already buried in debt, so we took out another $75,000 loan. We haven't really been able to be generous at all with our money. We've wanted to be able to do good things, but we're just so under this kind of heavy albatross around our neck of debt. Well, my response to you would be paint color was one of the many things that you should have been praying about. Because at that point in time, you failed to realize that it's in all things and through all things and through every season and through everything that you're going through to be able to bring those things to God. So this is so important. In fact, so important. I want to give you just a little bit of insight into some of the things that I pray about, some of the methods and some of the things that I have I've kind of brought into my life over the past several years. And I do want to give you a big disclaimer about this as well. I seek to be vulnerable with you guys and seek to be authentic and seek to be real with you. Prayer is one of the areas, if not the area in my spiritual life, that I have the most room to grow in. It is the area that I desire to grow in more than I am right now. I have made strides in the past several years, but I am not content at all with where I am. And I want to grow in this. And so I'm a fellow journeyer with you in this process. But over the past couple of years, there are some practices that I have started doing. 
And perhaps these practices will help you a little bit as well. First of which is I started writing out my prayers. I started writing out prayers. And I've bought journals and have now over the past couple of years filled up several journals. And in the morning, I'll just open up a page of the journal and it will literally say, Father, comma, and I'll start writing out some of those prayers. Why is that helpful for me? Because my mind wonders. And I'm like, oh, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that. It helps me stay focused. But what I love more than anything about it is sometimes I'll go back and I'll look at somebody that I was praying for three weeks ago or three months ago and I'll see a prayer and I'll think, God answered that. God brought peace in that situation, or God brought whatever I needed in the midst of that situation. But not all prayers are written out. I also have a lot of conversational prayers, meaning the things that come to your mind that you just kind of pray about it in the moment, meaning that you don't have to kneel at the bedside and close your eyes every time you want to pray. In fact, as you're driving, I would encourage you not to close your eyes (laughs) while you're praying. You know, if we're in a conversation and you need to pray for me, you know, closing your eyes to voice a prayer for me gets really weird. And really awkward. Just conversational, these moments when you say something comes to your mind and you bring it to God in that moment or you see a need in the community or you hear about something or something comes to your attention that you see on Facebook or whatever the case might be, just kind of in the moment, just conversationally saying, God, please be in the midst of that situation and remind that person that you love them. I've been praying a lot of wisdom prayers recently. I love in the book of James where James says, if any of you lacks wisdom to ask and God gives it to you generously, I think that we forget that God yearns to give us wisdom. Whatever situation that we might be in, whatever obstacles, whatever hill we're trying to kind of climb right now and you need wisdom in that, know that God wants to give you that wisdom. My family, we pray lots of marriage and family prayers. My wife Jacqueline and I have two amazing kids, age seven and three, and we pray lots of prayers for them. In fact, over the past year, especially, we've tried to be much more attuned to praying a lot of discipline prayers. What do I mean by that? Meaning that when my firstborn, seven-year-old, strong-willed daughter, anybody, first, anybody have a first, first daughter, firstborn child that's a daughter that's, you know, got some, got some energy and got some pizzazz that we're trying to channel in the right direction, and sometimes she'll do something, and my knee-jerk reaction is not the right method of discipline. And so we'll take a hot second and we'll back down and we'll pray about it because as a parent, my responsibility is to take every moment that I have with my children and to point them to Jesus Christ. And when I pray and say, God, help me to respond as you would respond in this moment, pretty much 100% of the time, whatever my knee jerk is and what we actually end up doing are very different. And it's been so crucial. We pray for how we're going to spend money. You know, if there's a big expense, we say, God, is this the best use of our resources? We pray about how many extracurricular activities our kids should be involved in. And we don't always get all these things right, but we try to bring all of these things to God. We also have have grown, and I've grown, especially in the past couple of years, about having what I call tough conversation prayers. It used to be a lot easier for me to just go into a conversation. This wasn't right, but it'd be a lot easier for me to go into a conversation that I knew was going to be a tough conversation and just think, I can come up with all the wisdom in this conversation. I have realized now I do not have anything that I would call a quote-unquote tough conversation if I have not said, God, help me to know how to navigate through this conversation. Because what tends to happen in tough conversations? What can take over? The flesh can take over. And you can realize you're saying things and you're doing things that are not what you would ultimately want to do. And then lastly, blank prayers. Blank. I don't mean that there's no audience to those prayers, that it's not blank, void prayers. But I left that one intentionally blank because I want you to write what it is that God's impressing upon your heart right now. 
Maybe it's one of the ones that I've already mentioned, but what is it right now that God is encouraging you and asking you to be more conscious of praying about? Writing it in there as just a sign of accountability to say, I want to grow in that area. But it's not just about the ways that we grow, because one of the focuses of our prayers and one of the focuses of the spiritual battle in praying is back in verse 18. Paul says, always keep on praying for the Lord's people to always keep on praying for the Lord's people. In fact, one of the greatest privileges that I have as a person is to be able to pray for you. And one of the greatest privileges that you have for the person sitting next to you is to be able to pray for them. Why? You see this here on your notes. To pray for another person is to acknowledge that there is a need in their life that they are incapable of meeting on their own. That's what prayer is. When you pray for another person, in essence, what you're saying is that there is a need in that person's life that they are incapable of meeting on their own. They need wisdom. They need clarity. They need healing, whatever the case might be. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, another one of Paul's writings. When he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So that means to fulfill the law of Jesus Christ, that that happens when I am humbly seeking to carry your burdens. And when you're humbly seeking to carry the needs and burdens of someone else, meaning that whatever I lift you up in from a prayer perspective is in essence something that you are probably incapable of doing on your own. And I'm praying in full acknowledgement of that. Maybe you received a diagnosis that you can't fix personally. And when I pray for you, what we're acknowledging is that it is impossible for you to repair that meaning the focus of trying to fix it comes off of you. And you say, you know what? I can't fix that. And it replaces it with the truth of God being in control of that and God working in the midst of that. And when I pray for another person and carry the burdens of another person, it also puts me in a place to see them and treat them more like Jesus, which is what ultimately God wants us to do. If there's somebody that you're jealous of right now, or if there's somebody that you've harbored bitterness against, or maybe there's some hurt that you've experienced at the hands of someone else, and I know that this is hard to do, but sometimes it's that prayer of forgiveness that really releases you from that being what holds you captive and what holds your mind so, um, so kind of imprisoned, so to speak. When's the last time that you prayed for that person and said, God, I need to give this back to you. Because see, praying for another person builds that hedge of protection around your life so that you don't see them in any filter except how Jesus sees them and how Jesus yearns to be known to that person. I'll be honest with you guys, as a pastor, it's easy for me to look at what's happening. It's easy for me as a pastor to look at other churches and comparison trap to set in. And that's why prayer builds a hedge of protection around me. Sometimes I'll look at other churches here in town and I'll think, well, that church has a nicer building than we do. Or I'll look at every church in town and say, they all have indoor bathrooms. <laughs> I mean, 100% of them <laughs> have bathrooms that you can go to that are covered and inside and you don't have to stand in the rain outside for the portable luxury restroom trailers. Some of you guys are new and you're like, what, this church doesn't have bathrooms? Remind me to never come back here again. <laughs> we have them. Just the only ones currently in our building are over here in our kids' ministry area. And what you do is you invite new families to come to church and new families come to church and you entrust us with your kids. And what you don't want happening where all of your kids are are just random strangers like you walking around back there. And so we said, you know what, the safety of not only our kids, but the safety of every child that will come here 
and every child and family that you will invite the safety of, of those, those precious ones that have been entrusted to our care, that's much more important than your current comfort. And by the way, those are pretty nice. So just go back there. But again, it comparison trap sets in, or I look at other churches and I think, you know what, that church has a better, their pastor is a better communicator than I am. And that comparison trap begins to set in. If I'm not careful, I can start going down this rabbit hole where I want other churches in town to grow and I want them to be effective. I just don't want them to be as effective as we are. But the reality is praying for other churches in town, that builds a hedge of protection around our thoughts so that instead of being jealous of what's happening somewhere else, we say, you know what, I want them to succeed. Why do I want them to succeed? Because they're on the same team. We're not working against each other. Who are we fighting? We're fighting the enemy. The enemy is not somebody else. The enemy is especially not another church. When another church succeeds, we applaud that. This text is a clarion call to do this right. And if our lives and our minds are not protected from all of the attacks of the enemy, then we're not going to do this right. Look at verse 19. Paul says, not only pray for one another, he also says, pray for me, that whenever I speak, the words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And you see this here on your notes, but to ask another person to pray for me is to acknowledge that there's a need in my life that I'm incapable of meeting on my own. So to ask another person to pray for you, or if I pray for you, I'm acknowledging there's something you can't do in your own power. When I ask you to pray for me, I'm acknowledging there is a need in my life that I am incapable of meeting, of, of not meeting the need on my own. And this is a pretty bold move for Paul. Why? Because Paul's the leader. Paul's the one who is out front. Paul is the one who has authored this letter, and he is saying, I need prayer. He's being real. He's being authentic. In fact, any leader worth following will let you know that they are susceptible to the attacks of the enemy, just like everyone else is, and that they need your prayer. Do I want you to pray for me? Yes. Do I need you to pray for me? Please. In fact, without doubt, the past 11 months have been the hardest 11 months of my 15 years of pastoral ministry been in pastoral ministry for about 15 years. The past 11 months have not held. There's been no other thing that's happened in 15 years that has held a candle to the past 11 months. Because somewhere in seminary, I missed the class about leading a church in the midst of a pandemic <laughs> with a political year, divisiveness like we've never seen, severe racial unrest, and the list goes on and on and on. In fact, on more than one occasion in the past 11 months, I've thought to myself, I'd be a good real estate agent. Or CarMax is hiring. I think I could do that pretty well. Not, not building furniture. I'm not handy enough for that. So I've kind of moved that off the list. I don't, stand in the, I don't go through the Chick-fil-A drive-through line that I don't think to myself, this looks like a fun place to work. <laughs> I actually asked a manager there one day, would y'all like hire me? And she's like, yeah, on the spot. Look at the line. You know what I mean? Like, please, we need as many people as we can. But obviously, I've not thrown in the towel. And why have I not thrown in the towel? I think one of the likely reasons is none of us are throwing in the towel right now because of the prayers of the people sitting in this room. In fact, many of you have not thrown in the towel on what God has asked you to do because of the prayers of your family and the prayers of other people who are in this room who are standing in the gap for you. 
And so I just want to let you know, when God brings somebody to your heart and you pray for them, know that that prayer is not healing, hitting the ceiling. God hears that, and he is working in a way that can't ever even be articulated from a human perspective and a human understanding. There's something that happens in your life. There's something that happens in my life when we humble ourselves to pray for one another, and we need more of that right now. And so I'm going to ask you to boldly do that, to step into other people's lives and to pray for them. When someone shares a request with you, to don't just say, yeah, I'll pray for that, but to have the boldness and the audacity to say, Rachel, can I pray for that right now? Danny, can I pray for that right now? And I promise what people are going to say is, please, (laughs) please. Yes, I need to know that God is there with me in the midst of that. Paul lists this as such a crucial piece of armor, so it's something that we need to take more seriously. Why? Because a prayerless person is a very easy target. A prayerless person is a very easy target. I love this quote by Paul E. Miller. He says, if you're not praying, then you're quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you really need in life. Ooh, that hits home. If you're a prayerless person, then ultimately what you're saying is that I'm very confident that time and money and talent are all I really need in life. I beg you to not be a prayerless person. To reiterate all of this, there's a real enemy. And that enemy is designed to attack you, not if he attacks you, but when he attacks you. And the armor of God plus prayer is the line of defense. It's not just one of many lines of defense, but it is the line of defense. And lastly, seeing that this was written to a church, seeing that this text was intended to have an audience of the church, let's not forget that we all share in this responsibility together. This is something that we all are in this together. This is not one person's job. This is all of our responsibilities. We are at such an exciting season here in the life of our church. You all are inviting people left and right, and they're showing up. Thank you for that. Thank you for loving your friends and your neighbors and sharing with them that there's a place of hope and that there's a place of peace and that you want them to find a place to connect. It's about a month from Easter. Can you guys believe it? It's going to be so exciting. I am so looking forward to Easter weekend. In fact, I want to give you some breaking news. You know what we're going to do on Easter? We're going to put a big tent up on the front of our property. A big tent. And we're praying for great weather and praying for a big opportunity to have big open air where lots of people can come and we can be spaced out and socially distanced and where you can come and where you have some friends and neighbors right now that you're wanting to invite and you're wanting to have them to come and you're wanting to just experience something that's good. And we're just going to say, let's do it. Let's have an Easter to remember that is just big and it's special and it's different. Why? Because we're celebrating the good news and the hope and the message of the gospel. We're getting ready to see an amazing campus expansion happen here. In fact, over the next month or so, you're going to start seeing some traction here where electric lines are going to be sort of moving around our property. They're going to move this and move that, and we're going to celebrate each little step of the way. Not to mention all the amazing things that are going to happen in your life and in your family. And it's going to happen in your business. It's going to happen in your little sphere of influence in the world. But guys, I'm going to be honest with you. The temptation is always going to be to try to figure things out on our own, though. The temptation is always going to be, you know what? I think I'm smart enough to do that. A prayerless person is an easy target, but also Satan celebrates in our prayerless plans and strategies. If there's something right now that's happening in your life and you think, I can figure this out, on my own, if there's something that's happening here in the midst of our church and we're thinking, I can figure this out on my own, be it church or business or family, whatever the case might be, know that Satan is celebrating if there's an area of your life right now that's prayerless. Or if there's a strategy or a plan that you're relying too much on your own power or your own strength. That's why 1 Peter 5.8 is a verse that I would encourage you to commit to memory. Be alert. 
And of sober mind, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And who does he like to devour? People with prayerless strategies. Organizations with prayerless plans. And it's on us here and now to be men and women of prayer. Here in our church, I know of at least three specific families that I know of personally over the past little bit in this past season of life that were given a really terrible prognosis. And in some of these cases, we're told that they would not live. And Satan celebrated. But those families said, we're not going to be prayerless. And they're here. I've known of a family in our church in this last year that went through a very stressful immigration process. And it was becoming really apparent that Potentially, this family was going to have to make some drastic changes and uproot their lives, and Satan is celebrating in this. But this family said, we'll not be prayerless, and they're here. When I think about the story of our church, our church, Rolling Hills Community Church, uh, a little over a year and a half ago, we were meeting at Nolensville Elementary School, and our time had expired, not figuratively, literally. It had expired. And we needed a place to meet. And we were at the point where we said, okay, who has a big backyard? I mean, does anybody just have a building that they want to give us? Or anybody that, you know, has a big living room that maybe we could all potentially meet in but see but what God was doing? And simultaneously, we had been in the process of having merger conversations with the church that was meeting here prior to us being Rolling Hills Community Church, Revived Church. And it would have been very easy for the leadership of Rolling Hills and the leadership of Revived Church to come together and say, you know what, these are our plans, these are all of our strategies, and certainly we're smart enough and we are wise enough to be able to figure out all of this on our own. Satan would have celebrated if we would have said, we can figure this out on our own, but we had amazing congregations that said, we will not be prayerless. And we're here, and we're moving forward in ministry. See, God is calling us as a church to take some very significant steps of faith. God is yearning to do something incredible through you individually. God is wanting to do something that we can't even articulate. But friends, let's do it right. Let's do it well. And let's say, God, how do you want us to work according to your word? How does all of that happen? How does all of this happen? We put on the full armor of God and we pray on all occasions and we stand in awe of what it is that he's going to do. Can you commit this morning to say, God, I want to put on the full armor of God and prayer. And I want to stand in awe to see what it is that you desire to do. Because when we do that, I think we're going to be amazed. I think we're going to be amazed that God has allowed us to be a part of such life-giving work. And so as a result of that, it would seem very fitting to me to close a sermon on prayer with giving you a chance to pray. So in fact, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And the band's going to come up and we're going to hang out for just another minute. Because it's possible that you're here this morning and, and there's just something that's going on in your life that you need to commit to him. Maybe there's some anxiety in your life right now. And you have tried to figure this out from a prayerless perspective for far too long. Or maybe there's um, a stressor in your life. Or maybe there's a relational tension that you're experiencing right now. And God is saying, you know, I want that to come to me. Will you bring that to him this morning? Will you come and share that 
concern with him. Maybe it's a prayer of wisdom that you need to pray. Whatever it may be, just let's hang out here for just a second. And would you have the confidence to approach God with that, knowing that he hears you? Thank you, Lord, for meeting us. Thank you for your promise and your word that you know what we need before we ever ask. And as a result of that, we come and place all of our needs, all of our concerns, all of our stress, all of our worries, all of our fears, all of our uncertainties, all of our needs for healing, all of our financial needs, all of our pain, all of our hurt, all of our shame, all of our guilt. We place it all at your feet. Knowing that you care. And God, we're mindful this morning of those in this room that are hurting. We're mindful of our family members that are hurting, of our neighbors that don't know you. And I pray that you would bring those names to our hearts and our minds right now and that we would pray so fervently for them. Because God, we need you. We're desperate for you. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your care. Thank you, most importantly, God, for your son, Jesus, who gives us life, who gives us that peace that we so desperately need. And it's his name that we pray and ask all of these things. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.